Napoleon, noticing that the old man looked at him with a certain curiousness, turned around and said brusquely, "'Who is this good man who looks at me?' "'Sire,' said Monsieur Muriel, "'you behold a good man, and I a great man. Each of us may profit by it.' That evening the Emperor asked the Cardinal the name of the curé, and some time afterwards Monsieur Muriel was overwhelmed with surprise on learning that he had been appointed Bishop of D. Beyond this, no one knew how much truth there was in the stories which passed current concerning the first portion of Monsieur Muriel's life. But few families had known the Muriels before the Revolution. Monsieur Muriel had to submit to the fate of every newcomer in a small town, where there are many tongues to talk and but few heads to think. He had to submit, although he was bishop, and because he was bishop. But after all, the gossip with which his name was connected was only gossip, noise, talk, words, less than words, palabre, as they say in the forcible language of the South. Be that as it may, after nine years of episcopacy and of residence in D, all these stories, topics of talk, which engross at first petty towns and petty people, were entirely forgotten. Nobody would have dared to speak of or even to remember them. When Monsieur Muriel came to D, he was accompanied by an old lady, Mademoiselle Baptistine, who was his sister, ten years younger than himself. Their only domestic was a woman of about the same age as Mademoiselle Baptistine, who was called Madame Magloire, and who, after having been the servant of Monsieur le Curé, now took the double title of femme de chambre of Mademoiselle and housekeeper of Monseigneur. Mademoiselle Baptistine was a tall, pale, thin, sweet person. She fully realized the idea which is expressed by the word respectable, for it seems as if it were necessary that a woman should be a mother to be venerable. She had never been pretty her whole life, which had been but a succession of pious works, had produced upon her a kind of transparent whiteness, and in growing old she had acquired what may be called the beauty of goodness. What had been thinness in her youth had become in maturity transparency, and this etherealness permitted gleams of the angel within. She was more a spirit than a virgin mortal. Her form was shadow-like, hardly enough body to convey the thought of sex, a little earth containing a spark, large eyes always cast down, a pretext for a soul to remain on earth. Madame Magloire was a little, white, fat, jolly, bustling old woman, always out of breath, caused first by her activity and then by the asthma. Monsieur Muriel, upon his arrival, was installed in his episcopal palace with the honors ordained by the imperial decrees, which class the bishop next in rank to the field marshal. The mayor and the president made him the first visit, and he, on his part, paid like honor to the general and the prefect. 
The installation being completed, the town was curious to see its bishop at work. 2. Monsieur Muriel becomes Monseigneur Bienvenu. The bishop's palace at D was contiguous to the hospital. The palace was a spacious and beautiful edifice, built of stone near the beginning of the last century by Monseigneur Henri Puget, a doctor of theology of the faculty of Paris, Abbe of Simor, who was Bishop of D in 1712. The palace was in truth a lordly dwelling. There was an air of grandeur about everything, the apartments of the bishop, the saloons, the chambers, the court of honor, which was very large, with arched walks after the antique Florentine style, and a garden planted with magnificent trees. In the dining hall was a long, superb gallery, which was level with the ground, opening upon the garden. Monseigneur Henri Puget had given a grand banquet on the 29th of July, 1714, to Monseigneur Charles Brulard de Jonly, Archbishop, Prince d'Ambrun, Antoine de Mégrigny, Capuchin, Bishop of Grasse, Philippe de Vendôme, Grand Prior de France, the Abbé de Saint-Honoré de Lorraine, François de Berton de Crillon, Lord Bishop of Vence, César de Sabrin de Faucalquier, Lord Bishop of Glandev, and Jean Sonin, priest of the oratory, preacher in ordinary to the king, Lord Bishop of Cernay. The portraits of these seven reverend personages decorated the hall, and this memorable date, July 29, 1714, appeared in letters of gold on a white marble tablet. The hospital was a low, narrow, one-story building with a small garden. Three days after the bishop's advent, he visited the hospital. When the visit was ended, he invited the director to oblige him by coming to the palace. Monsieur, he said to the director of the hospital, how many patients have you? Twenty-six, Monseigneur. That is as I counted them, said the bishop. The beds, continued the director, are very much crowded. I noticed it. The wards are but small chambers, and are not easily ventilated. It seems so to me. And then, when the sun does shine, the garden is very small for the convalescence. That was what I was thinking. Of epidemics, we have had typhus fever this year. Two years ago, we had military fever, sometimes one hundred patients, and we did not know what to do. That occurred to me. What can we do, Monseigneur? said the director. We must be resigned. This conversation took place in the dining gallery on the ground floor. The bishop was silent a few moments. Then he turned suddenly towards the director. Monsieur, he said, how many beds do you think this hall alone would contain? The dining hall of Monseigneur, exclaimed the director, stupefied. The bishop ran his eyes over the hall, seemingly taking measure and making calculations. 
It will hold twenty beds, said he to himself. Then, raising his voice, he said, Listen, Monsieur Director, to what I have to say. There is evidently a mistake here. There are twenty-six of you in five or six small rooms. There are only three of us and space for sixty. There is a mistake, I tell you. You have my house, and I have yours. Restore mine to me. You are at home. Next day the twenty-six poor invalids were installed in the bishop's palace, and the bishop was in the hospital. Monsieur Myriel had no property, his family having been impoverished by the revolution. His sister had a life estate of five hundred francs, which in the vicarage sufficed for her personal needs. Monsieur Muriel received from the government as bishop a salary of fifteen thousand francs. The day on which he took up his residence in the hospital building, he resolved to appropriate this sum once for all to the following uses. We copy the schedule then written by him. Schedule for the regulation of my household expenses. For the little seminary, fifteen hundred livres. Mission congregation, one hundred livres. For the Lazarists of Montdidier, one hundred livres. Congregation of the Saint-Esprit, one hundred and fifty livres. Seminary of Foreign Missions in Paris, two hundred livres. Religious establishments in the Holy Land, one hundred livres. Maternal charitable societies, three hundred livres. For that of Arles, fifty livres. For the amelioration of prisons, four hundred livres. For the